Alright guys, welcome back to the Skullcast for episode 80. We are back after just a short week away to discuss the latest episode of Berserk, episode 347. Long awaited the moment we are at in the series. Um, but we'll get into that. The whole episode will be focused on that. Uh, and with me today is Azil. Hey! And Griffith. Oh, hi. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> just make my heart skip a beat after the technical difficulties we had earlier. But anyway, we're all here. There's a little bit of Berserk news on the horizon. I think if you've listened to this podcast for maybe as long as some of you have, uh, you've heard me complain about the lack of art books, the lack of support material for Berserk that's just hasn't really been out there. There hasn't been any solid official Berserk you know, merchandise in terms of like, you know, pages content, tons of statues and shit. If that's your thing, not really my thing. I would prefer original Mira art on printed paper or something cool like that. Well, on the sly, uh, right before 347 landed, they announced that there would be a new, a new official Berserk guidebook. And while it's not quite the extensive sequel to the Berserk illustrations file that I, I'd wanted, it's not necessarily like a new art book. It's really uh, its own thing. It's a 200-page guide. I don't actually know the size in terms of the print format. I'm guessing it's a little smaller, but I could be wrong. Oh, I, I think it's going to be like just like uh, a Tonkoban, you know, for the... Just oh, okay. like a volume. And it's, cool. yeah, it's just a guidebook, so it's got a few illustrations. But, I mean, as far as the art book uh, descent is there, I mean, that doesn't change anything. I, personally, I still want a bona fide uh, art book. Absolutely, and that this is just certainly not replace or fill the void of an art book that's been out there for many years. However, you gotta have enough material by now too. I mean, probably for two or three art books. Oh yeah, want to take our money, yeah. please. I I made a post about that about two years ago, showing like all the different paintings that Mira has done over the years that have not been formally collected into a printed big format book yet. Anyway, yeah, there's certainly enough material, but this kind of is a little uh, step. Up from what we got in 2009 with the Berserk Character and World Guide, which is a very small 34-page book that was included in Young Animal back in 2009 to commemorate Berserk's 20th anniversary. And in that was a character guide. Uh, it really had just characters and small events or the, the big events that are around those characters. I think it was more intended for newer readers to catch them up quickly. There's like a character reference guide kind of thing. But it wasn't the in-depth thing I kind of was hoping for. That's what this is, uh, the new official guidebook coming out. Actually, it came out on Friday. People should be getting their copies from overseas in the next week or two, which will be interested to see what the full content is like. But we've seen the table of contents. So we know that the bulk of it is a character guide, grouping characters into four different sections by character association. So you have Gutsband, you have Griffith's Falcon members, and you have uh, people on Skellig, etc. Uh, but... We've seen one full character entry, uh, Shirke's mm -hmm. page, and each of them are going to have similar elements. So we have height, weight, age, things like that are, are going to be for each of the main characters. I'm um, sure Mira provided all this information. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. we've gotten some of the ages leaked from uh, Japan so far, and we know, at least according to the guidebook, that Griffith and Guts are the same age, 24, which... I think is a discrepancy, but maybe maybe it's a matter of months. I know, I remember, uh, didn't I think... the old art book make Griffith a little older? Yeah, I think he's supposed to be a year old, though. But, you I know... think there's a comment Guts makes at one point that says he's only a little bit older than me, is what he says. Okay, maybe they're just, you know, maybe he's nine months older. So it could be like, almost, it could be both, a year <laughs> Precisely. and... Precisely. <yeah. laughs> well, you know, yeah, I mean, 
it doesn't honestly, it doesn't does, really matter it's just it, some it's one of those lingering things yeah. in the fan base that people ask a lot you know it, it doesn't make sense either because griffiths like stopped you know aging or sure being human but yeah what does 24 years mean when your body is like partially demigod you weren't you know? in this dimension yeah. for, a, for a couple of years there but you know fine yeah and you know even the height stuff like i remember god's height for example it was officially published you know in several several times and it's varied before from you know uh, 190 centimeters to 195 to whatever as long as it keeps going up i think we're okay (laughs) yeah i mean i mean stuff you know even stuff like ages and you know sizes and that kind of stuff you know i'm pretty sure some intern at uh Young animal just came up with it based on yeah. you know whatever. It's one of those things where it's it's neat to know, but it's hard to really stand behind it solidly. But I don't know. I think it's kind of well. I, it'll yeah, be good to have all that information at your fingertips, especially when we get the dark horse translation of you know like the the flower storm king and you know oh, all that. When we get all those names, it'll be perfect. Right. Uh, Shirke is thirteen and Sonia is fifteen. Uh, actually, just the only ones we know. Yeah, Dark Horse, you know, it's uh, Hanafubuku King, right? Right, King Hanafubuku. King, Queen, Hanafubuku, oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's neither King nor Hanafubuku, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah we've, we've been over this. Um, I wonder what the age thing is going to say for characters like Locus or Zod, you know? Is it going to say explicitly, or are you going to have question mark, question mark, or something, or just ignore that section? I don't I don't know. Probably. Um, but I'm I'm spending too much time on the age thing. I just thought it was a funny little detail. Uh, in addition, what's actually useful, I, what might be useful, is explicitly uh, explicit character names, romanized names for the characters. You can see some of these in the background of their katakana names in the guidebook. So if your Shirke has it in katakana, and in the background, kind of floating there, is her romanized name. Yeah. If that's the the, the pattern then we will finally get Romanized names for those elusive like spellings like Grunbeld, Locus, and Corcus, and Judo, etc. All these things, we've kind of just made some best guesses or hypotheses on what the spellings are. Or it'll be like the back of uh, you know the Berserk OST for 97, where it'll call them Gats, G-A-T-S. You know, I think they've gotten better at this because, for example, uh, in previous art books, you also had some um, incorrect information. Like I'm thinking about the uh, art book for the anime, the TV series from uh, mm-hmm. 97, and uh, it, it had some weird spellings like carcass or uh, I think it was ricats. Oh yeah, ricats. Yeah, some yeah. some weird things like that. So I think they got better. And uh, like the names that are at the beginning of the volumes, uh, the Japanese volumes, I'm pretty sure are from Mura. I mean, I'm actually 100% right. sure of it. Because uh, they are too intricate to be uh, properly understood by random guys. So, um, yeah, I I have uh, some hopes that we'll get some good stuff in that regard. I think that's pretty much the only thing. Because, uh, you know, the character information, like uh, weight and uh, height (laughs) and stuff like that, it's it's something that's done in Japan, you know, for Mm -hmm. like shonen manga and all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of uh, industry standard to do that kind of stuff. So they did it because, uh, you know people do it but yeah the names uh, is going to provide some good information exactly so to, to me i take away from this we'll get some of the previously um i guess they haven't been popularly circulated the uh new art not not new artwork previously seen artwork in a new new format yeah which would be nice uh first first few pages i'm, I'm assuming are dedicated to that it might be character pages as well i don't know 
But um, in addition, there is a 14-page Miura interview, which is awesome. A new interview from Miura. And uh, some of the images we've seen so far uh, show his studio, which we have not seen in, since 1997. So pretty awesome to see. I've always wanted to see, particularly in the most recent years, uh, what his setup looks like. And uh, the picture quality is pretty low right now, and it is black and white newspaper print, so... We won't be able to glean a lot of information out of it, but you can kind of see his day-to-day life and how it might work in a studio. Um, some of the members have pointed out that they're pretty sure they've identified the, the digital tablet that he's using. Uh, it's a Cintiq, I think it's called. Yeah, it's uh, a, one of the Wacom tablets, well, the big ones. Got it. So, yeah, I'm, of course, that reinforces what we've already been discussing, which is his transition to digital medium and you know, kind of the tool set he's been using. So that's kind of neat to see. You know, in reality, not just theorizing all these things to see that in his desk, front and center, is his transition to digital. So, um, other than that, official guidebook, something to look forward to. It's pretty cheap, eight bucks. You can get on CD Japan if you're interested. Information on that is in the thread. But moving right along, uh, another piece of Berserk related merchandise that came out recently is uh, a new Hirazawa Suzumu album called Ash Crow. Uh, it's kind of a greatest hits of his Berserk works, uh, mostly the vocal-related tracks. So you have Forces, Forces 2, Sign, Indra, Aria, and you know the two new tracks that played in the recent anime, which are uh, Ashes and Ash Crow. Does it have Forces so, 1.5? It does not have Forces oh! 1.5. It just has Forces 2016. <laughs> and and uh, what is it? Um, you know... They're, they're, it's, it's interesting. I really like the album, actually. And as, as I said in the thread, you know, listening to it, it's just, it brings back a lot of good memories. And even though there's, there are slight remixes of these, they're not full on new tracks. Like Forces 2016 sounds like he just went back into Forces and just kind of mixed things up a little bit. It doesn't sound dramatically new, but it's fun. It's a neat little piece of merchandise. I had a lot of fun listening to it. So. That's cool. I think it's a little strange that some of the tracks are missing. Again, it's his vocal tracks, so it's not going to have things like Guts or Behirit or Murder or Earth or some of the things. Uh, Zotto 2 is in there uh, from the Dreamcast game. I would have preferred uh, Nico's theme or The Nun's Tale, but whatever. Does he Again, sing it's kind on of a, Zotto 2? I mean, it's got some he vocals does not. in it, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, but no, it's not. It's not on the level of Aria or Sign or anything like that. But anyway, it's really neat. Uh, I think it's about twenty-five bucks if you're interested in importing it. Um, something old, something new, something different with remixes. Um, it's pretty cool. I like it a lot. Uh, the last piece of news I have before we get into 347 is that uh, with 347 comes a new break in the series, a new hiatus. Uh, set to begin back in early 2017. So uh, that could mm-hmm. translate into something like a four to six month break. We don't know, of course. Um, some have speculated that the series will sync back up with the second season of the anime, which we discussed in the last episode, which is set to premiere in spring 2017. I- I'm not so sure that those, th- those things will necessarily be related, but uh, that's just my opinion. You know, no one has any explicit knowledge of when the series is coming back early 2017, wow. you know. Could be a lot of things. I'm a season behind. Oh boy! Did you listen to the last podcast? I yet? didn't hear it because I don't want to. I it's a weird stasis I'm in where it's like, well, I don't want to spoil it, even though I don't plan on watching it either. So maybe I, I maybe I'll yeah. just give in and listen to your guys' take. But I mean, did it completely and totally redeem itself at the end? No, no okay. not at all. The the last episode's one of one of the worst. <laughs> oh no! 
I don't know if you can say that. They're all pretty terrible. They're all, you're right. It's <laughs> hard a, to grade F from F minus. I'd say it's uh yeah it's uh it's an average of uh, of bad. So it's like when you get a failing grade. That's from zero to sixty five. So right? it uh, so it ended with Griffith's return though. It does. Yeah, it follows the manga pretty explicitly uh, in terms of the events. It's just uh, the art stuff and uh, I don't know, you'll let's listen <laughs> they, to the episode. They just we talk all the time. To, yeah. to make it weird. Okay, I'll listen to the episode if I want to get your guys' take. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't worry about spoilers. It's just, it's, yeah, it's I guess just I know everything's going to happen anyway. <laughs> yeah, Hopefully. yeah. But on to uh, the main event, 347. Uh, this was uh, very, as I said before, a long-awaited episode just to see, first, the confirmation that it is possible for Casca's mind to be restored. Something that, you know, I think most people, if you've been doing the math on how the narrative of the series has been progressing... Of course it was going to be possible. They weren't going to cross the entire world to be told, oh, nope, sorry, see ya, get out of here now. That wasn't going to be a thing. I was, it was, uh, gonna I be... was amazed, though, at how, like, it wasn't even like, a, oh, well, I don't know. You know, I figured there'd at least be a little, sure. yeah, something to make it feel uncomfortable first. But she was just like, oh, no, I can do it right now. I can tell you really want it. <laughs> well, she said, specifically, she says it's probably possible. Yeah. So... You know, right. she's, she's, she's a, right. She says yes, but it's not a hundred percent sure. But and yeah. I think that I think that that lack of a certainty is implying the fact that it will be a traumatic event either way. They're going in Casca's mind to deal with that trauma, and it's not a slam dunk. Yeah. It's going to be a struggle. It's going to be hard. Know? Yeah, like it's, it, it's the same way she tells the others uh, to return to the witch village because, like, it's right. going to take time and it's not. Like, you can tell it's not just something, oh, yeah, just two minutes and then it's over, we can go eat. It's going to take time and, yeah, there's going to be, like, consequences. It's a, it's a big event. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, in fact, Griffith, you, t- you touched on the pacing of this, how quickly she kind of gives a, you know, short of a, a full confirmation that it's possible. You know, this, the pacing of this episode, and I'd say even the past three or four episodes, has been so brisk, like... The pacing of this episode is like, can you do the ritual? Yes. Well, let's do it. Well, we're doing it. Okay, we figured out how to perverse the dream world, and now, well, the end. <laughs> yeah, we're, back we're there. We're months. already getting down to the dark and the dirty. And It's exactly. also amazing that he's able to also fit in, like, sort of uh, hijinks at the same time. Like, the first half, you know, it's like, it's basically Magnifico and Puck and her sort of goofing mm-hmm. around and, you know, tying off that thread while also accomplishing so much of uh, on the dramatic end of things. Yeah. yeah, very dense. The um, I think the restoration, we're one episode in now. Uh, you could say a half episode if you really want to be technical about it. But, you know, at the pace they're moving, I feel like it's like two or three away. But the thing is, we're in uncharted territory in terms yeah. of how things progress. You know, literally dreamland, like unlike anything else in the series. And, and the repercussions of this are going to be fundamentally something that changes the series and changes the group dynamics. So I feel like it's really difficult uh, not only to predict how long this section will last, but also what the next few episodes explicitly will cover other than the very broad outlines. Right. So uh, it's an exciting place to be. And, uh, and also a very uh, not frustrating is not the right word, uh, enticing way to leave the series for a few uh, months. Yeah. It's basically I, I the think... biggest cliffhanger ever, arguably. Yeah, that's, that's what I wanted to bring up. Pretty like, much, yeah. So, Azil, in the thread, you said something I thought was really exciting. You said this was uh, you, you likened it to one of the biggest events in the series history. So, uh, I, I kind of know what you meant by that, but I was wondering if you could maybe unpack it uh, here. 
Well, yeah, I mean, very simply, uh, you know, when Berserk starts the eclipse, you know, specifically what I said is that it was the biggest event in the series so far, that it would only be outdone by the ending. And the reason I say so, and so I said it's bigger than, uh, you know, uh, Femto's incarnation, bigger than Fantasia, bigger even than the eclipse. And the reason I say so is because uh, when Berserk starts, the eclipse has already taken place. We see it in a flashback, you know, but the story is already launched. And the eclipse is a start of something. It begins something. And now what we're witnessing is uh, the resolution of what it starts. And I mean, not fully because obviously Griffith hasn't been killed yet. But, you know, in a big part, all the damage that was done, you know, the, the fact Guts went wandering like that, you know, the journey, the whole journey to get Casca back and everything, this is when it gets resolved in a big part. And it, it launches a completely different... Like, I would argue that the story will be changed more by Casca's restorations than it has, you know, been by Fantasia or by, by Femto's incarnation. I think it's going to be very, very big. So, uh, in that regard, yeah, I think it's a really momentous event. It's the culmination of something over 30 volumes in the making that we've been waiting for. Just to, yeah, yeah, pretty put it much. Simply. Yep. Yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that in terms of you know, when the, when the eclipse happened, you're right, things were set in motion and the series begins after the eclipse. And this is, it's like the clock is finally moving forward. Guts is able to make progress once he has Casca back. They can begin to grapple with that and move beyond it, whereas she's been so stuck in that. They haven't yeah. been able to move forward together. I mean, since volume 17, you know, Casca has been Guts' priority. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, in volume 39, if this ends, he can, you know move back to other priorities which would right. be you know his son and you know maybe not revenge but at least dealing with Griffiths and the Godan and everything so yeah it's you know no matter how you look at it even if you just start with volume 22 when they embarked on a journey to her thumbs there's still a lot of volumes you know it's a culmination of many things I also think it's something I've said before but uh, for a long time you know in a series you open up new threads of storyline new narratives and st- stuff like that you go forward into the unknown and in order for the story to end you you have to start wrapping things up you know so that they can converge on a final you know point and that's the ending and i think we're basically reaching the peak here in uh, elfham and of course casca's restoration is a big part of that where you know things are gonna start converging now like so in a way it's like we're reaching i wouldn't say a middle point but you know it's a pretty big you know cornerstone for the story and then we can embark on the you know uh final journey you know final straight line towards the ending so it's you know huge for all these reasons yeah the other um i guess the bigger the other big narrative point of this episode of course we we embark on the dream the corridor of dreams similarly to how many of us had project, predicted it that they would be going through it, it would be they would be sleeping going through a dreamlike state um but guts being left out was it was a was a yeah. turn and you know we discussed already many many years ago how it made sense for i thought it made sense for farnese to be part of it because of casca's current attachment to her but uh it was it was hard for me to rule out guts as cause as as, Eel, as you argued many times over She's the closest one to guts, you know. She's the one. He's the one that knows the most about her struggle and the, and the most connected to her trauma. So it would make sense for him to go along with the journey. But you know, the um, the sovereign puts a stop to that, saying that you know the pain, the, the fear that she has with you is too much uh, for you to be part of this. 
basically he'd be a disruptive force. He's become part of the trauma, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. So you know, I don't think. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I I think her reasoning for it is uh, very simple: is that she's afraid of him, and so Mm -hmm. it's not a good thing. While he clings to Farnese, and that's a good thing. And Shuruke is just because, uh, well, she's a witch. You know, she knows her way around these things, so she's a good companion. And I think the reason Mura did it is like I think he's got some narrative stuff, uh, you know, uh, up his sleeves that he's gonna unleash on on us later on, and so. He made that choice, and I'm actually comfortable with it. Like, I, I obviously, I still what I argued before. I still think it's true that God's being the one that's familiar with her uh, and what she endured. He already knows, you know, what these events are like and stuff like that. So he would have been a good candidate. But at the same time, the fact it's the two girls who go there, uh, it, it's got many advantages. Uh, for example, they can learn who the real Casca is before the others. It could also be uh, the beginning of the resolution for Farnese's crush on guts, you know, she's been torn by these feelings, and you know that could uh, be the start of uh, her being informed about their relationship, you know, like more deeply and understanding why they're right for each other, that kind of stuff. Uh, they could also learn, you know, I mean, we don't know yet how Casca will react to guts. Now, I mean, they were a couple mm-hmm. for like a short time, and. Waking up after so long and after such a big trauma, I don't expect them to resume being a couple like just, oh, okay, let's get back to smooching, you know? Yeah, I I can't imagine a a quick embrace after this. I just don't see that happening. It just doesn't feel right. I don't know how to put my finger on it. It just doesn't feel like that's in the cards immediately. Well, you know, I mean, that could be an embrace, but then, you know, Mm. I need time. A one-sided embrace, maybe. Yeah, you know. Happy to see her, you know? Yeah, so... But yeah, let me pause real quick. Like, it's so exciting to me that we're already talking about that. We're talking about maybe three or four episodes, you know, in the future well, of Guts having Casca and the way back, it's been you know? going. We keep saying three or four episodes, and then it's like the next, yeah, the next episode. It's like whoa! <laughs> it's like I can't catch yeah. up to this breakneck pace. We I, should really just stop putting numbers on those things because yeah. I think we've been wrong every time in the past five or six <laughs> and, episodes. And, and I do think it could like lengthen, you know, now because it's been. You know, the way Mura does things is uh, he does things very densely when it's worth doing it. Sometimes he takes his time when it's worth uh, taking his time. And so I think, yeah, it might be four or five, you know, I mean, you know, two or three, four or five. So I think the range is uh, is pretty big. Yeah, and, I mean, you know, yeah, the, I'm actually not. I wouldn't be surprised if sort of the hurry was to get to this point because this is like such a monumental event and now he's going to slow it down. That wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. And sh- Pretty and she much. does separate the group, you know, as, as Izzy already alluded to, you know, the, the remaining cast is going back to the uh, witch village and they're staying here to continue the ceremony. So it's establishing some time is going to pass here. There's no yeah. sense in waiting around for this, you know, so. And yeah, one thing I was saying earlier when you interrupted me was that uh, I think, you know, there's a lot of merit to Guts and Casca walking things out afterwards you know mm-hmm. and uh learning to uh know each other again that kind of stuff by talking by doing that you know after having spent maybe some time apart and so yeah from that perspective i can understand i i think what farnes and shuriki will see in there uh might be better off not being experienced first and by guts and rather being told to him or discussed afterwards so there's a lot of reasons Mira could have done it, but I'm I'm pretty sure there's a, a good reason. Well, there's also uh, there's also the possibility that I mean, 
she might come back and be sane, but she won't necessarily be the same. As in, she won't have, maybe she won't have all her faculties. Maybe she won't have all her memories. Maybe she'll still sort of need to come along. I mean, that would be frustrating. I'm not advocating for this. Like, if she, you know, sort of, I don't want to go down the amnesia road with her for, like, five volumes. <laughs> or it's like, guts, who's guts? That would, you know, but she might, it, it just depends on where she is mentally. Does she remember the Falcon days, first and foremost? Does she remember everything up until this point as clear as day? Yeah. And does she, you know, hold resentments for Guts? Does she feel that, you know, in a sense he betrayed her? Or does she recognize that he was protecting her and doing the best he could? Yeah, and there's also uh, a part where, you know... Mira is kind of subverting the idea that he's always guts saving her, you know, always, you know, damsel in distress and the hero and by letting his companions, uh, do it. He also justifies their involvement. Like they've been around to begin with guts, let people come with him because he needed to protect Casca and he couldn't do it himself anymore, yeah. you know. And mm -hmm. I, I think this is a continuation of that, a reinforcement of that. And the fact guts, we just agree to do it, you know, to be like, okay, you guys, I, I, I interest you guys with this. Right. Like, that's already, that's a, such a huge step for him. Right. And, you know, and similarly, what they're going to see in there it might be something, you know, better for Guts not to see. I mean, right. he already has trouble dealing with his own trauma. I you mean, know, can you from imagine starting what Guts, like, dream world would be like? Oh my God, <laughs> be a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, yeah, I mean, we already know what his dreams are made of, yeah. you know, it's a, yeah. a beast chained in the dark and saying, like, ah, and would that, I uh, just would destroy that, you. Would that follow him into, you know, if he were to enter Casca's mind, mm. seeing how it works now, would that, would he be able to keep that contained? And plus, once he sees, like, if they go to, like, some vision of the eclipse, you know... He might not be the best person for dealing with all that, you know. He, yeah. he lose it himself. Yeah, I don't even know how that would unfold. That could have, that could indeed be one of the barriers that Mir has placed here in, in not bringing guts because it's too. It would be He's too, too complicated to for that to himself. resolve itself. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I do yeah. think though, like for me, like the barometer in terms of why guts wasn't involved, it relates to something Azil said, and that is. Like, Guts and Casca have to work through their issues. They have to come to a resolution, and I don't think now is the time for that. I feel like Guts being here, if if Casca was to be restored, it would be like an implicit resolution that they've, they've come to. But I don't think they're there yeah. yet as, as a yeah. couple. You know, I think I, that has to come later. I think they later. have to be standing on be, equal ground first. Yeah. Yeah, it would be kind of cheating to for Guts to, like, invade her... Uh, you know, heart of hearts, you know, like that. It would be... I, I feel like it would be cheating. So... In a way, um, I think this is a pretty good thing. And um, there's also the fact, like, what Casca has endured, you know, rape, it's a... Uh, I mean, Gus has been raped as well. So, okay, so he can understand that kind of feeling of powerlessness, that kind of stuff. But still, Casca has been uh, hurt, you know, femininity, that kind of stuff, you know. So the fact it's women who are taking care of her, uh, you know, in that regard, I think it's, it just feels proper to me, you know. Like a woman who has been wounded... You know, womanhood, you know, uh, mm -hmm. being taken care of by women. Uh, I feel like that is, you know, proper. And it could also be enlightening for uh, both of them as well. It's also, you know, capitalizing on a precedent that was set in volume 14 when Erica says that Casca is more comfortable at ease around, you know, her than she is when Rickard's around. And sure. Around, so. Yeah, I mean, Casca, it's, uh, it's been uh, reiterated many times the series that Casca's, mm -hmm. uh, you know, defiant towards men. You know, she feels more comfortable towards women. That's why she's clinging to Farnese. Of course, Farnese has been taking care of her, but 
you know, she wouldn't be as comfortable with Serpico as she's with Farnese, and it's just, I mean, she she's been afraid of men, and we we know why. So it's yeah, sure, it's nothing new. Um, so Casca and Shirke and Farnese are now in. I keep calling it Dreamland. I don't mean it to sound so derogatory. I don't still don't know what else to or call Kirby. it. A dreamscape. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But now that we're there and the group has been separated, moving back to the Witch Village, that, that could just be kind of a, uh, a check mark in the progression. But do you think that, you know, we'll have uh, sections or scenes with guts in them interspersed to break up the pacing of the episodes? Maybe something is going to happen mm. or a, a conversation will happen, uh, you know, real reality side versus dream side to, to break up the pacing of the. I think it would be interesting if guts maybe went over his past. That's all I can think of that, like, sort of, I would want to mm. see first, you know, to take yeah. away from this moment. And if it was sort of, they were, you know, the rest of his companions were learning about it, and we sort of got it in Guts' own words, while, uh, mm-hmm. obviously, Farnese and Shirke are sort of learning the same things. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I agree with that. I think that would be interesting, and I think there could be interesting stuff happening. I mean, if you want to be crazy, hectic, there could be like trouble, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. happening in Earth Arm, and it's like, oh no, we gotta defend the place uh, while they are, you know, uh, taking care of Casca, you know, so it would put a lot of, you know, pressure on, on everything and make it very uh, uh, hectic and stuff. But at the same time, you know, I feel like right now as a reader, the only thing I care about is, you know, what Casca's dream is like and how they are gonna take care of her and will she be cured. So well, there's also the risk. You might of, be disappointed. <laughs> be the ones that when is God's gonna kill something again? Oh, <laughs> no, but yeah, I mean, just so I, f- I feel like uh, just doing straight up these things might be, you know, the best. So I don't know if you, yeah, I'm clear. I, I see. I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, while I feel that an attack or uh, some kind of you know violent encounter somehow feels like it's it would be right i, I can't think it's my, always uh, a good guess what it, what it might be you know yeah exactly it's pretty well, safe bet in general that being said i can't put my head around what it might be or how it would fit or how it would be relevant given the weight of what's happening well i feel Casper, like the only you know? way it would yeah. be really worthy i mean it would be weird if it's like oh no here come the bad you know elves on the island that are, oh, that God, are always yeah. trying to do you know bad things versus like you know if like the only thing seemingly worthy would be, you know, and we've discussed it before and, you know, mm-hmm. with varying degrees of people thinking it's likely or not, would be if apostles showed up to attack the place or something. Like, that's the only... So even 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 that, even apostles showing up, like, I think it has to connect back with Casca. And the only reason, only way I can see that working is if it was Griffith, Griffith himself who showed up. And because of his proximity to Guts and Griffith, the child took over. And that's how that was revealed. That whole... Dynamic, oh, which is like an atom bomb, right? Yeah, you know, that, that, that happen, would be right? a fucking mess, man. <laughs> yeah, of course it would. That being said, you know, I mean, the reason we say so is because Berserk is an action manga, and so yeah. you know, there's gotta be action. But Casca's uh, dream might actually comport some action, you know. Yeah, it might matter that, and we also have been through, like, when I think of Volume Thirty Four, for example, it's you know, there's not a word in the volume. And you got these long episodes showing just the world being transformed. So we can actually get five episodes without, you know, I don't know, some shit going down yeah. and shit eating the fans. So, well, there have been plenty of episodes, you know, five or six, you know, at a time where it's just basically dialogue and introspection. So, I mean, yeah. you know, that's definitely a, 
in the park. And really, if there were ever a time for that in the series, yeah. it's right now. Yeah. Well, going yeah. into Casca's mind. And before I'm we define move that. on, you mentioned the child. Do you think that it could come to a point where maybe they're reaching, you know, a roadblock and that the child could mm. become involved and intervene? Because obviously, it's, you know, its powers are sort of, you know, vague and, you know, seemingly <laughs> limitless. I don't, I don't think so. I think, like, you know, it's part of the thing is, you know, then why didn't he do it before? And uh, I, I think, I think the you know restoration will happen within the context of what's been laid out, which is uh, the ritual, uh, you know, the corridor of dreams with Danan providing the guidance and the magic and stuff like that, and Shuriken Farnese being the grunts on the ground, uh, trying to bring Casca back. So I think it's gonna be just that. But I do think it is a possibility that the child will appear within the dream mm, because, uh, you know, that's one of the questions uh, is whether, because we obviously, like, Casca's in that state uh, because of the eclipse. So it's uh, given that the eclipse will feature prominently, you know, in the events and, like, the final panel of this episode is a final page is a clear indication of that. And then there's also her previous life, you know, with the band of the Falcon and stuff like that. And then the question is, uh, will elements from after that, events from after that also figure in, uh, the dream? And I- I'm, I'm not sure for now. I'm not sure. I think they probably will appear at some point, but maybe it will be Farnese and Shiroke who will unlock those memories in the process of getting her yeah. to uh, come out of her, uh, you know, recursion. So. Yeah, we'll see. Well, I, think it would, I, I do oh, think, I do think that while uh, it's conven- it's convenient for me to draw a symmetry between how Shirke brought guts back to his senses in Volume Twenty Six or Twenty Seven, rather, mm-hmm. by thinking about how he has to protect Casca. I think what could draw her back either is either is one of two things, and of course, it could be a myriad of things. But the, the two things I keep coming back to are how integral Casca is to rescuing guts from his own personal <laughs> demons. Yeah. Yeah. Also, and her and her, you know, motherly bond with her son, and how you know she can go rescue her son. But for that to be one of the resolutions, Shirke and Farnese are going to have to, while in the dream world, make that connection and establish it to Casca that that child is her son. Yeah. And that seems like a, a stretch, right? But however, uh, I think from you know, I think it's not impossible they'll make the connection from within, or just they'll show, you know, these things to Casca, or at least help her see them. And because she knows, she has always known instinctively he was her son, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, no matter what he looked like, even when he looked like Griffiths, she knew it was her son. So I think maybe she, you know, they can make her remember that. She, she'll know instinctively. Mm-hmm. And also, yeah, I, I completely agree about the part with Guts, which is, you know, I mean, it's kind of, uh, you know, far out speculation. But yeah, I've speculated that maybe a key component of her being, you know, uh, like that is that she was, ashamed and feeling guilt about, you know, Gus having seen her being raped, you know, that, you know, based on that whole don't look line and that kind of stuff. And, you know, that's one of the things rape victims, you know, often feel, they feel ashamed of themselves, you know, they feel dirty, that kind of stuff. So I think it could be a component, you know, a part of why she's there. And I think uh, Farnese and Shiroke telling her, no, no, he actually really, really loves you and he really, really needs you. And the only reason he's still alive is because you're there. And he's done all of these things for you. And I think that could be, uh, yeah, what will convince her to, to go back. So, yeah, it's, I mean. 
I'm very curious about how that struggle of guts over the past two or three years is going to be conveyed, whether it's she acknowledges it and she still has an issue or whether she will have a blank state and it will be have to be conveyed to her in a lesser manner. You know, it won't be quite the same if she doesn't have memories of those times and isn't able to process what it meant for guts to do that for so long, you know? Yeah. I also think, you know, it's a sensitive, sensitive topic for her, even, even just to see him in his current state, you know, I mean, she remembers, of course she saw him, you know, get wounded badly, you know, injured, maimed, but she remembers a young guy, you know, who had scars and stuff, but was still, you know, young and upcoming. And now Guts, I mean, he's aged beyond his years. You know, he's tired. He's got scars all over. He's, he's you know, uh, I mean, he misses an arm and an eye. Uh, he's got the white streak. He's a different man. I think very different from oh, yeah. the, the man she knew. So Certainly. I mean, just at first glance, even she'll, she'll know he's, you know, a very different man. And the, the, these things are... I mean, the situation, the world, the environment, everything is very different. Well, I also think, so that's, uh, I think it's an opportunity, his exclusion, to sort of focus uh, focus on her and her issues and also make it about, like, we can look at Guts from, like, a third-party yeah. perspective since he's not directly involved, you know? You just sort of see it from the outside in memories or or what have you. And also, the big, a yeah. big question to me is whether uh, Farnese and Shirke will, as we've been discussing, will she... Will those memories, since the eclipse be there, will, you know, his defending her and then, you know, trading, you know, like, uh, blows with her and, you know, attacking her, will that be there? Will that change how they see him? Will it give them sort of a more of a complete picture and sort of help them, you know, help her deal with that? Yeah, it's, you know, you know I think uh, I'm, I'm quite convinced that it's also better that he's not there because it allows us to focus on Casca herself, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, because otherwise it would have, uh, he would have kind of sucked up the juice out of her story because he, he's the main character. So, you know, everything be about him. And because he also relates to the eclipse, so it would have been kind of a weird thing and where, you know, whether here it can be truly about her. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah. The, the question of the memories from after the eclipse also opens up that question is, uh, what, how will she deal with uh, when he assaulted her twice in volume 23, uh, will that be featured? Will that be uh, contrasted with uh, like all the other times he protected her and saved her? And then there's also the other times she was, uh, you know, assaulted by you know, various bandits and by the goats, you know, guy and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's um, I, I don't think it will feature uh, prominently in the dream, at least at first, because... Uh, to me, the main issue definitely is the eclipse, yeah. and so that that's got to be like the the main dish. But yeah, maybe in the process of uh, bringing her back, if they unleash these things, or maybe if they've been scattered around the place as well, you know, maybe they also have to deal with it. And yeah, it will probably it will be interesting to see uh, how they deal with I it. Can... So maybe it'll be a, maybe it'll be a two part thing, right? Where what we're dealing with now in Dreamscape Dreamland is you know, uh, the bubble of Casca trapped within the eclipse and her memories prior to that and memories before that or after that aren't really a factor. <laughs> yeah. But when she comes back, that bubble will have burst and she will have gained back those experiences. And what she brings back from to, to, to reality is that scene from Guts and, and, you know, volume 23 or not. And that's what they'll have to get past or not. But maybe that's being too simple about how this will progress. The risk is... To put too much focus on that specific scene because it's uh it's very uh, how to say 
disturbing to the reader, but it's still it's, it's problematic, is what yeah. it is. Yeah, you know, in, in, in a number of ways. It's it, but yeah, because it's hard to say. It goes against the grain of guts saving her, mm-hmm. and it made sense at the time because she had to uh, not trust him anymore. So in the context of the story, it makes made sense. But at the same time, I feel uh, we shouldn't like put too much weight on it compared to the globality of every experience she's had, like the eclipse and every other thing where God's protected her. So it has to be addressed, but it has to be, you know, like it has to be addressed proportionately to the rest. And I feel like that's one of the, you know, most difficult things to do is how will it be done? Like it has to be done, not too much, not not enough. So yeah, it's it's one of the things that make me glad I'm not the one actually writing that story. <laughs> I, yeah, I can see totally. it coming full circle in the sense that they'll start with the eclipse and they'll sort of have to go on a little journey. Well, there's more to it than this. It's sort of how all these incidents relate back to the eclipse. Because I mean, even as they were happening when she's being assaulted by those bandits or whatnot, she remembers the eclipse. It always brings her back yeah. to the eclipse. So mm-hmm. they, you know, I can see them starting with the eclipse, having to go and sort of uh, examine all these things afterwards and then bring it full circle to how they saw, you know, what sort of shattered her mind at the eclipse and what can bring her out of it, whether it's guts or the child or some combination, her her own sense of, you know, well-being and self and vengeance, whatever else. I don't know if that's in there, if she's going to feel that way, but it's definitely possible. Yeah, one thing uh, we should, at least I feel people should uh, understand is that because this is a dream world, it's not a flashback, you know, like some people seem to think, oh, well, you know, it's just they'll be back there with a the big hand and all the apostles and stuff. But like this is a dream, so it can take many different uh, shapes. And I'm actually I wouldn't be surprised if the environment changed during their experience, you know, as they arrive in a place and then we can morph in another right. place. And, you know, maybe people will take on different roles because. Like, but I mean, that's how dreams are, you know, where you're in the cities and you're in the forest and you're in your house and you're taking a bath on the moon and then, you know, you're back somewhere. So, yeah, I feel like this will be uh, tailored. And actually, it, go- it also uh, ties back to what Danan tells him about, that they should uh, make sure to try to glean some information about the rules Cascas constructed for the dreams because, if, you know... It's her dream, and she makes the rules. So they have to understand that first and foremost. And I, actually, I, I found the way Danan said it was a bit foreboding. So yeah. there might actually be be some danger to them. And you know, the action we were thinking thinking about uh, a little while ago uh, might come from that. You know, I mean, what if Shuriken Farnese are being pursued by monsters? You know, in, the, in that well, place? that's that's so. a big question. Is if uh, how? What kind of observers or what sort of presence are they going to have there? Is it going to be kind of? Are they just looking at things? Are they seeing it? Is it you know? Is it abstract or will they be very present in the dream, as if they're present in you know? If it were like a flashback, would it be like they're there? At first, they might be more like observers, but they are in there. So yeah. uh, obviously, whatever danger is there, uh, they'll be exposed to and. You know, it might even come from Casca herself. She might be aggressive towards them, or that kind of stuff. So, yeah, resistant. Yeah, obvi- yeah. We, we don't we don't know yet, but uh, what's sure is it's uh, it's gonna be very interesting. I'm actually, you know, amazed. Not amazed, but uh, you know, in awe at the fact Mira is tackling that. It's one of the things. You know, I mean, he must have thought and worked on it a good long while. You know, because man, <laughs> it's one of such a delicate topic. You know, when I think back to 
the eclipse, you know, to depict the you know main female characters, uh, you know, hero's girlfriend being raped like that is, is such a sensitive topic, you know, and probably the most you know uh, difficult thing in the series, and it's made to be like that, and so to have to go back into that, to have to go back, you know, to go at the heart of the trauma, which we never get, never got to, to see, you know, and to deal with that and resolve it, or at least start a resolution that will allow to, to come back. I mean, it's such a, you know, very, very complicated thing to do. And, uh, I mean, it, I almost feel like it takes courage from Mira to, to tackle that. It'll know? be interesting to see just how, you know, will it will there be depictions as graphic as the as in volume thirteen, or is going to shy away from that a little bit and maybe go a different route? That's one of the things. Yeah, I'm not sure. Like, it's not even ne- needed. No, it you isn't. That they might see some like some allegorical stuff too. They might see some like the scenery might look like you know uh, I don't know penis in vagina or that kind of stuff. You know, and because it will symbolize the forcefulness of it, or we might see, I don't know, a wolf eating a rabbit. I, I'm right. just making stuff up, but, you know, a kind of predatory thing, uh, you know, that's, uh, how to say, chilling, and, you know, evokes what everybody knows, but it's not mm-hmm. uh, literally her being raped, because, you know, that's, again, a, a dream world, and so it has its own rules, and, you know, it's all about symbol. you know, again, something Danan says, it's, you know, it's all mm-hmm. about symbols, and uh, you know, uh, that kind of stuff. And it would know. also make sense that if this is something that's, you know, she's literally sort of, you know, pulled back from the world, this isn't something she'd be replaying in her mind all over and over all the time, so in her dreams. So it would make sense yeah, maybe indeed. to, you know, yeah, that it would be obscured somehow. Yeah, it might, you know, the thing is, the dream might also be a place where she's, you know, hiding from the consequences or hiding from that event. So she might be probably tormented but you know not just reliving again it's not a flashback she, she doesn't have to be reliving the thing she could be ashamed of herself like ashamed of a failure as a, as a commander you know as a leader of the band of the falcon she fails them and maybe she would be that or maybe she would be trying to i don't know well, to hide from you know the stare of guts also interesting is that when she got close to that again when, you know, those bandits were forcing themselves on her. That's also when she obviously, she remembers the eclipse, and then the next time we see her, she had, you know, regained some sort of composure of her old self and managed to kill all of them. And then she yeah. had that gut, so maybe, you know, facing it is the key. Yeah, indeed. It says, you know, I mean, we've, how to say, we've been shown several times that, yeah, when, you know, trouble really comes to that, she can, you know, like get a sense of herself for at least a few seconds yeah. enough for her own self to, to go back. So yeah, it's, it's gonna, you know, probably, you know, be around that. What do you guys think about how they'll actually encounter what I call the, you know, the real Casca, the suppressed Casca? I think she'll be like the old one, short hair and wearing armor. No, no, no. Appearance aside. I mean, will they actually encounter her? Will that be someone that is part of their journey as well? Will they encounter her at some point and have to go through these experiences? Or will that be like the final moment when they finally see the real Casca, they take her hand and they bring her back into the real world? No, I think they'll see her and I think she won't necessarily be uh, amicable to them. Yeah, absolutely. Because I feel like if they were just going through, uh, you know, uh, trouble ordeals and finally they see, like, I don't know, her soul there and she, they grab it and take it back. I mean, that's not really, that's, that's not what it's about. You know, this is, this would be like, 
what Shirika did when she went and rescued God's ego from the armor's odd, you know, in mm-hmm. volume 20, mm-hmm. 27? Seven. So, uh, but yeah, this isn't what it's about. They are going into her soul, actually, her mind, rather, and uh, her ego, whatever. And, and uh, you know, they are fixing this. So, yeah, it's not going to be that. I think she'll be there. It would, she, she'll it would be promise. counterintuitive and <laughs> counterproductive if they, like, tried to force it, you know, like, you're coming with us. <laughs> you know, but, uh, yeah, it w- it w- I, feel, I feel like it would be kind of cheap. However, what could be interesting is if there were several cascas. You know, if there was, like... Uh, Commander Casca and Lover Casca and, you know, Little Girl Afraid Casca and, you know, uh, victimized, you know, by Femto Casca and you know, all these different Cascas was there and maybe, I don't know, arguing with each other or. And they gotta make them into ha- one sort of a thing. Yeah, each having their own thing and finally, if they gather them all into one person mm-hmm. and she's like, and of course, uh, yeah, I mean, so that would be a thing. In my head, I mean, I've been wrong on a number of predictions. It's just, it just feels right that when they find the quote-unquote real Casca, that she would be in a dark place, huddled alone, just, you know, re- retreating from everything, just in a, in a, a, a protective, quiet place. I mean, yeah, so there's she doesn't any have to... number of ways Mira could depict it. I mean, it'd be neat if they just eventually, you sure. know, after going through, you know, sort of uh, the the storm of, you know, the eclipse and everything involved with that, if they find her, you know, just in some open, you know, green field or something, you know, there's a lot of poetic sort of imagery he could go with. Yeah, kind of yeah, moment. I agree. I agree. Yeah. It could be boss a dark hole, you know, where she's huddled and hiding, or it could be like a plane, and she would be there. Either some kind of, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's gonna be uh, an idyllic place, but yeah, something where she's busy doing stuff. So I don't know. There's many ways this could go. Hmm. Well, there's been a number of threads over the years. We touched on this already, but I wanted to go back into it real quick. Where I feel like the <coughs> overly Mm. Liberal is not the right word. Overly liberal interpretation of how Guts transgressions might have be might be interpreted by Casca in terms of him assaulting her in 23 and also him going out on his own uh, during his Black Swordsman period, leaving her in the cave uh, during that one to two year span, you know, might be interpreted by Casca. But I do think it's going to be addressed. Either it's here or either it's later. The question is how he's going to have to delete his Twitter. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't think, I do think it's going to be addressed. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be like a huge deal. I don't think it's going to be, I don't think she'll be uh, hating him for it or anything like that. I, I think she'll, uh, she'll understand. Mm-hmm. Even if, you know, maybe not right away or stressing, but I think she'll understand. I don't think, yeah. like, I don't see it being uh, an issue that will <clears throat> separate them for a long time or anything like that. I think... There are other topics where they might disagree and not see eye to eye, and it might be a problem. I think for that kind of stuff, uh, it might not be the case. I think what would be best is just if, you know, if it's sort of just, it's a question. It's like, should we, you know, can we resume sort of where we left off, Mm. and should we? And I think what ultimately will need to happen is they're going to have to rebuild trust again in real time, whereas, you know, if they fight side by side as comrades, you know, they'll have to, they, they'll just have to regain that relationship naturally. You know, it's something they'll, they'll talk out and they'll try to work out, but it'll obviously be, you know, a little awkward and strained because she's yeah. going to be different. Uh, there's been a huge amount of time that's passed for both of them. And obviously they're both in different places. So it'll just be interesting to see how that develops. Yeah, I think 
basically they'll have to you know recreate their relationship yeah. and fall in love again even you know like mm-hmm. i think at first they'll just be comrades you know even if guys i'm, I'm sure we'll be overjoyed when she's back but then you know there'll be some kind of awkward time you know where they'll be you know i wouldn't say distant but you know learning to know each other again and the same goes for the group they all have to learn to know casca and i think yeah. they'll help with that whole process and I think eventually through uh, hardships, through them telling her about Guts and, and her seeing how Guts is and that kind of stuff, uh, they, they're going to, you know, fall in love again and, you know, have good moments again and that yeah, kind of stuff. And there's also a thing... They'll regain that trust. And I think it's also just no matter what, no matter how she comes out of this, she's going to be she's going to be starting over, kind of. She's going to be different. Yeah, so yeah I agree. That They just have yeah. to go from there. One thing I was also going to mention is uh, other than the group and Guts himself and their relationships, she's going to have to find her place again. Like, you know, she hasn't fought for years, so she's, you know, definitely rusty. And it's a whole different world with different challenges. So she has to learn how to fight again and, you know, the kinds of enemies they might be facing off. So she has to find her way, uh, you know, her way to fit into the group, well, to not just be the, bur- the burden, you know. You know who would so. be perfect to train her, fighting style-wise? It would be Isidro or Serpico. And how interesting would it be if, you know, she felt like a stronger bond with, you know, them than she does, you know, mm. with Guts, you know, out the gate or over some time. There's, yeah, there's I, interesting I, possibilities I, there. I, I think, at, yeah, I think uh, that might be very possible. Like that at first, she'll be much more comfortable with the rest of the group and right. Guts will be... You know, like yeah, off to the side, kind of side sidelong glances at him. Yeah, and you know, there's that. Uh, when you look from her perspective, what she sees of Guts is his back. You know, Guts walking at the front, and everyone else at the back. And I feel like at first right. that's just kind of the you know what it will be like. You know, it's you know Guts you know alone at the front, and everyone you know back there. So I don't know that I don't know if that makes sense, but that's. Oh, no, I no, see. totally, and I think it. I think it will relate to, you know, how guts was with the Falcons and how he is now. I wonder if she'll be able to perceive those changes immediately or not. Yeah, I mean, she's very different, and he's, mm-hmm. you know, like the de facto leader of the group, even though he doesn't like to admit it. So yeah, all that stuff is interesting. Also, will be interesting to see, because I think Casca, you know, like she used to be like a general commander, that kind of stuff. I, I think she, yeah. she's feeding. If anyone is fit to actually lead the group, it's her. And I see yeah, it. so that's something interesting. You you brought up a number of times over the years we've done this podcast, and I've always thought it was fascinating, was that Shirke in Volume 25 takes on the, the role of leader during the Enoch Village thing, but mostly out of just because she knows about magic and how this is going to be resolved, knows about the magical creatures. But I feel like Mira has has left a gap in terms of the true leadership of the of the, of the group. Guts is, the, as you say, the de facto leader, but... I do think Casca could fill that role. Yeah, and, and Gus doesn't want to be the leader. You know, even, for mm-hmm. example, when they're on the ship, because it's Roderick's ship, uh, Gus, like, defers to him. He calls him, you know, captain and, you know. But, you know, Roderick remarks to him that, you know, like, it's not, you know, Gus is, again, always the guy everybody turns to. He's a guy that takes decisions because, you know, he's him. And yeah, I think, you know, it might be a good occasion for Casca to take on that role. And I think also Gus will very willingly yield it to her. And uh, that might be interesting to well, see. Well, it would be interesting if it yeah. is a if it truly is a different dynamic where she is in charge. And I could also see him definitely being willing to, you know, follow her. 
But in the past, it's always been, you know, as Shiroki has pointed out, kind of a ruse. <laughs> you know, Guts doesn't want to be in charge. Like, oh no, I don't want to. I don't want the authority or anything. But everyone does everything he says anyway. <laughs> it's just he, yeah, he right, just doesn't exactly. like to be officially in charge. But he has all the authority invested in him. Yeah, just because he does whatever he wants, right. and everybody's kind of forced to follow him. But yeah, and I think you know, actually, it might be like obviously that's not something that's gonna happen right away. And I think there might be some arguments, you yeah. know, at first. I think, like for example. Because right now, no one in the group dares to stand up to Guts. Like, pretty much, you know, like he says something and, you know, Shuki can say, no, don't do it, it's dangerous. And he just says, mm. or he doesn't even reply, he does it anyway. And, you know, the same goes for Farnese or Sepik or whatever. And, uh, you know, like, Asuka's the one that can actually punch him in the face, <laughs> you know, if she, she doesn't do what she wants. So, you know, I think that kind of uh, dynamic would be interesting to see again. But, I mean, that's... It- I think that's far it, off, you know, we're like we're we're getting far into the future. Well, right? yeah, this is. I mean, yeah. it, it basically comes down to what you know. Is it more important for a moment in the story or for the characters to sort of for to see Casca assert her leadership, or is it a long time coming for someone to say to Guts like, "Hey, you know what? You're the general. Deal with it. <laughs> like you're in charge. You know, you're you know mm-hmm. not just in the background in charge. Just lead the lead us. You know, because you do anyway." So it'll be interesting to see if that's going to be a moment or if it's just going to be more comfortable to put Casca in charge and Guts will be Guts. Yeah, or it could be a duo, you yeah. know, I mean, many possibilities. Sounds like a nightmare. We're already talking about... <laughs> <laughs> We're already talking about the makeup of the final arc of the series, right? Like, once Casca comes back, how that dynamic will work. That's the dynamic that's going to carry us to the end of the series. It's a very exciting time to be about even though we obviously have varying ideas of how that all those pieces might fit together we're seeing how they might fit together you know we're so close yeah to turning the page on this section of the series so we kind of we kind of shut right to the end but we skipped uh the beginning of the episode and all that part about puck and magnifico i thought that's that pretty funny actually yeah i mean i was i was just doing a general still where we, our, our general section has expanded this long so we can do a page by page if you wanted to go over that stuff sure why not Okay. Uh, I wanted to start by talking about Danan because we learned uh, not nothing nothing dramatically new about her, but she kind of outlines her duties right <laughs> in terms of on the island. And um, yeah, we also got a little bit more of a sense of her demeanor uh, now that she's no longer wearing the the disguise of Danan. We can see how she is, which is pretty similar, really. Um, what was interesting to me about her demeanor and how she acts, who she is, is that she still comes across as very human to me, you know, and it made me wonder about her origins. Uh, and, and I wonder if they'll ever even be touched upon. Uh, she just seems like an utterly I unique do. character. She's kind of disarmingly series. normal. Yeah. You know, she doesn't really strike me as a... I mean, I can see the elf in her is what I'm trying to, to, to say, basically, in that... You know, the way she uh, deals with Puck and uh, Magnifico, where she first, you know, she chastises Puck and, you know, then she points out that, you know, his bullshit, like the fact he says he wants to be king so he can do nothing all day and that kind of stuff. And she said, well, you're already doing that. He's like, oh, that's true. And then she said, and there's all the duties I have to perform, that kind of stuff. And she basically uh, outlines that she's just the garbage man, you know, the garbage woman. (laughs) So... You know, and, uh, and you know, then she deals with Magnifico and she explains that his stuff is stupid. And, you know, she makes funny faces. And the way she goes about mocking 
them both in these cases. I think that's you know, it's it's not unlike how Puck would make fun her, of Isidro. Her signature you know, is putting the finger up to the mouth, sort of the phony, sort of considering like, um, you know, but she's really just teasing. <laughs> yeah. Them, you know. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, and you know, telling them that you know it's also funny that. Uh, like, uh, the biggest penalty that could possibly be is basically what she does every day, you know? <laughs> I also like this, that the fact that their punishment is just basically doing chores. They, they, uh, they're still both kicking yeah. and screaming, like, no, no! Yeah. Well, it's funny because, you know, Magnifico is like, he, when he understands what she's saying, he's like, what, what? And you can tell it's, he actually understands nothing much, but Puck, you know, I feel like, it's actually for him truly the worst punishment <laughs> to have to actually do chores, you know, because <laughs> he's basically always, always screwing around, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I do think she's being a little facetious about what her duties are. I imagine she's a character of more importance than just sweeping up. I think she's just playing that up for this scene. Oh, yeah, you know, I like, mean, it's I, sort of a, it actually does a draw attention. false modesty, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, but it does draw attention to what the duties might actually be, you know. And of course, obviously, what she's performing in this episode is one of them. But I do wonder day to day, and I wonder if we'll get an answer about that. Well, kind of stuff. you know, I mean, she, after all, she is an elf, so uh, you know, I expect she also likes to, you know, you know, fool around most of the day, you know. Yeah. But however, um, yeah, what her actual powers are and that kind of stuff and how she came to have that much power that's that's what actually i'm curious about yeah her origin i wonder if that'll i feel like it, it, it should be because again there's no precedent to a lot of who she is and what she is in the series so i feel like it has to be explained a little what's bit. also interesting is when she's speaking about uh, magnifico or about uh, casca she basically basically calls them children you know mm. like she goes you know uh, like 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 a, a very old i mean like an old woman talking about young people so it also i mean it's, we already knew that but she's not you know she looks young but she's not young she's probably very old so mm-hmm. this is the kind of stuff that's interesting you know she's probably old doesn't get for example and void calls the normal humans lambs as well given uh a sense of his power and his age as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, it's just, you know, even Zod talks like an old man, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it just, you know, conveys the fact she's very old, very powerful, and uh, I'm actually curious to learn more about that, even about her staff, you know, uh, and, you know, yeah. what I speculated about before, but, like, was she the one who, you know, was she key to teaching humans about magic? Was she one of the people who first did that, that kind of stuff? There's a lot of stuff to to wonder about. I think it would make a lot of sense if she was the first witch or imparted the first knowledge that you know started witches. Yeah, well, she she couldn't be the, the witch f- order. She couldn't be the first witch because like she's not human. So to, sure, to sure, her sure. magic it must be something that permeates her, you know, very existence. But yeah, as a one who actually taught humans how to use magic, that would be pretty great. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not necessarily. I mean, it's not something that's necessary to the story, but it would be nice. Shirke comments on the the presence of uh, the sovereign, and I'm assuming she's talking about her odd, really, as it envelops the whole group. It makes them feel at ease or pleasant. Uh, Eva Lyric compares it to uh, being at Flora's mansion, and I wonder if that presence actually was from the spirit tree, or if she was speaking about Flora, actually, when she says that, about how it's similar to the mansion. Yeah, well, it must be, I think it's a combination of both, really. I mean, Hmm. we knew Flora... uh, dealt with the energy of the tree and maybe i mean you know 
I don't know, manipulated it, whatever, and hers must have been uh, entangled with it. So mm-hmm. I like how the dramatic tension was broken up in the scene. Uh, Guts is saying, I'm here, you know, we finally arrived. And before he can do anything, before he can ask the question, you know, they deal with Magnifico and, and Puck's she transgressions already, she already and knows what he's going to ask. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> of course. Uh, and I wonder, I don't have to wonder, actually, what foreknowledge she had of Guts arriving here, what his journey has been. None of that's really touched on except to say that she, she knows what his question will be and she knows why he's come here. Well, yeah, she listened to his story, you know, while she was well, she, yeah. serving them food. She, she heard that, but I wonder, I doubt that was the first time she has heard of Guts and his journeys, is what I'm saying. Well, you know, yeah, I mean, Ged says that uh, he had been warned they would be coming, so she knew mm-hmm. uh, they would come. But, like, the details of her li- of their lives, we, we don't know uh, to what extent she knew about, so it will be interesting right. to know. Of course, I know, it's just, you're taking a very convoluted way to say, oh, the Skull Knight must have told her. <laughs> No, no, not even necessarily the Skull Knight. No, you know, they Uh, rolled over in bed and, you know, he told her, oh, yeah, my friend Guts is going to come next week. He would be a dangerous bedroom (laughs) companion with all those spikes, man. No no water bed. That's what they have to use. Wood, it's a tree. (laughs) I I think the nature of her powers might be, I mean, obviously, I think Skull Knight probably taps into her more than she taps into him and stuff like that. I think she probably has uh, prescient ability. But anyway, um, I, I like the fact that she, you know, that there's one panel, I think it's on page five or so. She gestures to herself. She has her hand on her on her chest like that. You get an impression of the gracefulness of Very her movements. Regal. It's just a small little look. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I like that. I also picked up on it. It's true. It, uh, well, she feels like a, a queen, you know. Mm-hmm. And she encourages them to call her uh, Danan, which is which I'm grateful of personally because <laughs> it's a long title otherwise. So that's nice that that Mira and Danan are telling us that. Just please call just call me the Hannah Fubuku King Queen of the Flower Storm, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> so yeah, then Guts asks this question, which of course has been culminating moment for you know 13, 15, 15 volumes or so. Uh, and you know, she says it's possible. So that's nice. We've got to get this moment of reassurance their their journey validated and, uh, a nice long awaited moment of relief from guts. Although it's, you know, short lived because she goes into the details of how this will go. I do like the moment from the group where they pat, you know, um, Roderick <laughs> pats guts on the back. I like that little moment there. Everyone's looking at guts for his, to look at his expression, right? To yeah. see his look of relief. Well, that was a cute little moment for the group. Even Azan is looking at him. <laughs> Even though he has yeah. that death face mask. Staring. <laughs> I guess that could be a yeah. smile. And what's interesting is uh, the look on Farnes' face, which Absolutely. which is, you know, I mean, we, we know what it means. She's happy, but at the same time, you know, she's torn. She has torn feelings mm-hmm. about this because she also has feelings for guts. So it's, uh, it's an interesting thing. Yeah. I mean, Guts takes it pretty well. The The fact that he will be separated from them for for this and that Farnese and Shikirke are the best suited for this, he takes it in stride. He's not happy about it, but he, he trusts his companions yeah, actually, to do the right thing. I yeah, really like make that this shot of him uh, sort of looking up with his eyes closed, you know, like taking a deep mm. breath, it seems like. And sort of yeah. he's just having a moment where, uh, yeah, he's taking it all in and realizing, okay, this is for the best. I'm just going to go along. <laughs> I don't like it, but mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, after yeah. 22 volumes, uh, he's he's ready for her to... He's ready to let leave her into someone else, you know, custody. 
And he's in a totally different state of mind right now because for so many years, for so long, he's been looking forward to the relief of this you moment, know, to know that it's possible. You one know? thing uh, we went mentioned earlier was that whether we would be other things like Guts telling his story and stuff. And I think what would be very interesting would be to see Guts reflect on what his relationship to Casca has been over the years and you mm. know maybe worry about like what we mentioned, the events on volume 23, that kind of stuff, how it would affect her, who she, whether she would resent him, that kind of stuff. And I think to have uh, that kind of introspection on gut side, while it happens, would be interesting before they actually uh, meet again. Uh, it would be a natural question for someone like a Sidro to ask, or anybody really to ask, like, so who is this woman to you? And of course, Roderick has already asked that question, but of course, Gut's answer was interrupted and we never were afforded his perspective. Yeah, on that, I, I think Shiruke might actually uh, reveal that soon. Hmm. But okay. but yeah, here I meant more something really introspective on Gut's side, like him rethinking to himself about uh, what, you know, like what went on between him and Casca over the past few years. Right. And then it's on directly to the Corridor of Dreams um, with them going by these uh, mushroom or fungal shapes through the trees, which I thought that was kind of funny or cute that part of this is the properties of the mushrooms aiding the dream-like state that they will be in. Uh, my favorite page of this whole episode is the two-page spread on 12 and 13 when we see uh i like how just how everything's interwoven you know the different the varying layers of the mushrooms with casca and the, the foreground and fornese and then shirke further along and then the danan's face just kind of like envelops the whole scene as they you know tumble into the dream itself with that spiral effect at the very, bottom yeah that was Wizard very done. just like as if she's like glenda hmm. or something and just i don't know it's just very uh very sort of whimsical yeah, I like it. Sure. I think it's uh, pretty nicely done. And it's, how to say, you know, he couldn't just depict, you know, the spirits flying out or anything like that. So to have it like that, the three of them regressing into that kind of spiral to whatever dreamscape, you know, uh, I, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. I also like Eva Lira's face in the corner of that page. She looks very concerned, you know, unable to go with Shirke, her constant companion on this this journey. Yeah. She's just sitting there watching as it happens, basically. Yeah, it's a, it's a rare sight to see her concerned yeah. like that. Yeah. And then we're in it. Uh, we have this bright little small panel uh, as Shirke comes to consciousness in her dream where she's a child. I like how this is not only just some kind of Mira playing with character relationships. It's also, you know, <laughs> a small glimpse of Shirke's childhood, perhaps, where she, this something like this yeah, did happen. Yeah, she probably, you know? yeah, she probably did steal some honey <laughs> from yeah. uh, Floa's closet, you know. Right, and Isidro's there to to call her out as a uh, a thief. Yeah. I like I like that her hat, you know, pops from her head, you know, when he tells her he's witnessed her, uh, you know. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. Thievery. Well, you know, it's, uh, it's again part of the dream dreamscape dream aspect of it, where she's got this childish, yeah. you know. It's it's very. I mean, it reflects her age and her mindset. He looks horrific, by the way, especially in this first panel. <laughs> he just looks monstrous. He almost yeah. reminds me when he when it shows him, you know, sort of growing and smashing. Uh, things like he's like wild almost <laughs> for a moment. <laughs> you know, you know what's funny is that from Isidro's perspective, as we've seen it many times before, Shiruke is uh, someone who's you know unattainable for him because she you know can manipulate powers that make him uh, completely insignificant. That's his perspective, and we saw 
who it affected him in Enoch, and you know he was consoled by Morgan and stuff. But here, she's tormented, and he's <laughs> like, you know, he's overpowered compared to the reality. You know, where he just smashes her magic, and he just takes the stuff. He ties her up with his, you know, uh, horse tail. So it, I, I mean that kind of reversed, you know, reality was pretty funny to well, see. Well, and also it might just show like. You know, in the reality isn't so different for her. She's, you know, she sees like, you know, he kind of befuddles her, you know, at every turn, even yeah. though she has this great power, just, you know, mentally, you know, he's just so obnoxious. And it's intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> I also like the small little references to the golem and the blaze wheel as he smashes them. I love the cute little blaze wheel <laughs> as its eyes are yeah. wide open. Oh, no, I'm being smashed by monkey Isidro. The golem is rolling it at him and he's just he's got his little paw down he's looking at it like you know anticipating <laughs> look at this cute little thing smash yeah as he devours the honey <laughs> but she catches it pretty quickly uh she sees the flower petals they inter- intervene and she sees the outline of what looks like a doorway which is i guess going to be i mean it could be a continuing theme throughout this right as the as the sovereign leads them to each section yeah you know, sure sees the outline and goes through it and suddenly she's able to overcome the... It's not just the outline. It's uh, She sees the flower petals who show her the mm-hmm. outline and she follows them. Yep. I like that she gets in one good whack, you know? <laughs> yeah, she, she, go to, uh, she goes back to whack uh, Isidro before, you know? So this could just be me projecting, but the, the little leaf petals on the vines, they all are heart-shaped. And that could just be a coincidence, right? right? <laughs> that the petals themselves are what. Um, well, you know, he's, he's, I mean, vine, on. yeah, vine leaves kind of look like that, but sure, sure, who knows? sure. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, Shirke uh, moves on towards the light, and we enter Farnese's dream. Which, uh, honestly, I got about a lot of laughs out of this whole thing. Farnese's previous laundry skills are suddenly, you know, uh, expert level, genius level washing skills, and everyone <laughs> appreciates her. Or being so helpful with the laundry. <laughs> it's not just the laundry. I think this conveys a theme of, you know, cleanliness and purity. Washing clothes, removing stains, making them, you know, clean. Uh, I think it ties up to her face and, you know, uh, the idea to be pure and the fact Mosgus is there as well, that kind of stuff. So I think, yeah, it's, you know, an allegory for her search to be pure, to be, of course, the fact she's helpful. She helps the others. Uh, you know, there's fine older men in the Holy Iron Chain are there, so she saves them, they're not dead. I think it conveys a lot of things, actually. And I also think it's it's totally apt for it to be Mazgus. He's praising her, her dedication. That's a, a, a positive thing for her because, you know, before she fully, you know, became entranced by Guts during the conviction arc, she really sought out Mazgus' approval of her of Well, her you life. know, the thing is, at the same time, even back then, she was a bit afraid of Mazgus. She knew he wasn't. But, you know, what makes this apt is that it's a dream. So in a dream, stuff that makes no sense makes sense. So the fact, you know, Mazgus, with his flat face, is a scrubbing stone to wash clothes, and that his approval is, uh, I'd say, compatible with Serpico and Cherokee and Guts and stuff like that, I mean, it's a dream. So I, I, I like that Mira mixed stuff up like that that doesn't actually well, make any also, sense. Well, it also, I think it helps. It works that she's dreaming that Guts is eating him, you know, too. <laughs> so it all... Yeah, exactly. He's, he's, he's displacing him. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, I love it. And there's the repetition, similarly, of the line from uh, the Conviction arc about praying. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. She tells him, you know, it's, it's funny because uh, Mira truncated that line. Well, in the original, God said, don't pray. If you pray, your hands will be full. 
You know, it's a Japanese expression to say you'll be too busy to do something else. And here uh, he tells him, don't pray, your hands are full. It's like, meaning you're, you're already too busy to pray. So Yeah, she's washing. <laughs> yeah, so it's, uh, it's, you know, the same line, but truncated. And it, uh, yeah, it's, it's a great pun. There's something just comedically perfect about seeing the DS, the Dragon Slayer, draped over the line like that. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I really was like laughing out loud when I first saw it. It's just such a reversal of its normal uh, imagery. Oh, that was really, really yeah. cleverly done. <clears throat> and uh, Shirke catches up to her. You know, it, I, I thought for a moment it was grown-up Shirke. Of course, it's not. It's just a weird – the way she's drawn in that panel when Fernese is looking over her shoulder, it, it looks a little more grown-up than I thought she would. But that was just my weird perception yeah, of things. just appearing with the flower petals. I also like that Sh- Shiruke, yeah. you know, uh, how to say, the benefit of uh, involving Shiruke in the ritual is already shown here because Farnese uh, was less likely to realize she was in a dream. Yeah. But Shiruke, mm-hmm. because of her training uh, and the fact she's, uh, you know, like a, I wouldn't say a master witch, but she's pretty good at it, she she could tell right away and she, she's the one who takes her and uh, brings her to Casca's dream. Check out the background on these pages. I was really impressed by it. And it's a very abstract, just weird, nondescript thing, but it's consistent throughout this whole section. I thought that was a very cool effect that Miura used to kind of put you, uh, you know, in the state of being in an abstract yeah. world. Yeah. It doesn't often do this kind of effect, but it's, it's done to very good effect here. Speaking of good effect, holy crap, these child <laughs> yeah. drawings. You know, this is this is one of those things where what I was talking about earlier in the thread was I was so happy I didn't get this particular part, you know, spoiled to me in the preview images that we saw. Because this was a complete shocker to me that Mira would go to this level of artistry for the the child drawings of uh, Farne- or for, of Casca's perception of things. I thought that was very funny, cool that he did that that way. And I wonder, it was probably difficult for an artist, a trained artist, someone who's been drawing these characters a certain way for 25, 30 years, to suddenly go back to a six or three-year-old's drawings of things, you know? Yeah. It must be difficult. Yeah, he must have, uh, but that being said, I mean, he's he's good enough to be able to do that kind of stuff. But yeah, it must have well, taken him a while It's a weird thing because it's get, like, get it right. it's in a style that's very, you know, it looks like six-year-old work, but it's like you, there's just so much detail in it too <laughs> that a six-year-old wouldn't put yeah. in there. You know, mm. this, the the many different lines and just the way he sort of perfectly depicts everybody in this style. It's really cool. Sure. Yeah. The yeah. orientation, everything. Yeah. Yeah, he's um, uh, he's he's very good. I love. I I really love the first uh, image of uh, Farnese. Actually, <laughs> she just looks like some nightmare. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know the one I think the one I like most is the one of uh Casca view view from the side with the big yeah, eye following the, the, the yeah. leaves, you know. That's pretty good. I really like that one. Yeah. And of course Um yeah. And even the panels, the the, the, the outlines of each panel yeah. and scribbles themselves. Yeah. I thought that was very very cute. Serpico <laughs> flying through the air like yeah. that. And even that the text is all garbled. Yeah, cool. even even you know, I mean Serpico uh Jose, Isidro and Guts at the top, you know. I and Serpico like the two guts himself. Yeah, I mean they're just yeah. Guts himself is foreboding, yeah. right? He's not he's, facing he's her. Intimidating. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, like, it's kind of what we were talking about earlier. It's just that kind of figure, you see the back, and it's just all black, you know, in the, in the distance. Yeah. So the the progression here is that Shirke, uh, you know, awakens from her dream, follows the petals to Farnese's dream, gathers her. They go through a similar pathway to go to Casca's dream. And I wonder if this final panel here of them leaving Casca's dream, is this the end of the, what I would call the superficial level of Casca's like psyche, right? She's moving beyond yeah. this 
to the real Casca. That's what I'm implying or I'm gathering yeah. from. Danan is, uh, how to say, she's enticing Casca to follow the flower petals and yeah. the other two uh, follow her. And yeah, they move deeper. And I, I think, you know, like the fact they see the black sun, it's uh, like it means this is where Casca's true Casca is. Mm-hmm. I definitely think the eclipse is going to be the the big conflict or the rather the resolution they'll have to face or to, to get past. I mean, of course, that's what has been entrapping her the whole time. Oh, sure. There's no question. Of course. No question about that. I mean, um, it's going to be central to the, you know, the whole thing. I do think it was interesting, though, that um, not everybody, but some people, myself included, when we first saw that page, I did see the eclipse. But I also thought, I wonder if that whole pupil as the sky uh, is another uh, beast imagery, similar to what Mira did in volume 33 with bidding the pupil in there. And I know Azil and I have disagreed on this in the, in the thread, but we haven't really like hashed it out. Like, and, like, I don't think there's an answer really about this kind of thing. Like, I think we could argue forever about whether it is or whether it isn't or whether the question really comes down to, does the beast have a role well, in Casper's dream world? Yeah. Because the beast itself is a, image uh, trauma specifically from guts you know the question yeah. is is it a, would it be a foreign entity within casca's mind i think mind it definitely yeah, it's not brings even... it to mind because i mean i thought that too when i first saw mm -hmm. that page i obviously you see the eclipse and you also see that shape which you know and it makes it look sort of like a pupil in the eye of you know what would be like the eye of the beast mm -hmm. or even guts eye but at the same time we're used to that sort of imagery from guts point of view mm -hmm. It's not necessarily, yeah. but is as makes the argument. Why would that be in Casca's mind? So I wonder if that's something that uh, sure. that Mira is considering, yeah. or if it's just sort of more general shorthand for the eclipse, for the consequences of it. I don't know. Yeah, I I kind of agree with uh, with Griff here uh, in that I think what people you know the, the thing is Mira's done it very often. Transform the Black Sun into, uh, you know, God's eye or God's eye into the bl bl black sun and make the, the beast's, you know, eye from it. So, yeah, it evokes that for people. But yeah. at the same time, um, I, I don't think it would make any sense for the beast to feature prominently like that in Casca's dream. Because, you know, you know, I mean, this is Casca's mind. God is not involved at all in this. And uh, obviously... At the center of our trauma is the eclipse, so this is why we see this. And you know, like, how would the beast be connected? It's a, it's an allegory. The beast is not an even an theoretically. Entity. She's never actually seen the beast. You know, I mean, other than yeah. guts armor, it would have to be something where she reverse engineered mm -hmm. her representation of guts into conveniently, you yeah, know, like guts own images of the beast. It'd be very. It's hard. I mean, it's possible. Yeah, it's. It's yeah, it's very far fetched, and the thing is like yeah, like I said, it's not even an entity; it's a character in the story because it's a story. But other that, other than that, it's just an allegory for God's pain and stuff. So, if there were to be uh, a character like that, it would have to be Casca's own inner demon. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, I, I could see you know, I could see I posted in the thread some speculations that's a bit far fetched about how uh, this could morph into. Uh, a glare, which could be like, uh, you know, God's eye as the Caesar yeah. being raped and, you know, that could fit into her trauma. But that's the extent of what it could be. And also, you know, uh, so the fact is just, it's like a slit like that in diagonal. I think that was made for effect because in the past, Mira had no problem taking a shape that was not at all like the eye of the beast and then turning it, transforming it into the eye of the beast. So uh, to do it like that, 
in order to represent that right from the start would be odd. Well, and especially, that I, shape I feel could like... also, you know, more even more generally, classically represent something else. So it could also be that. Yeah. Yeah, sure, indeed. And you know, I mean, it's just. You know, taking it very uh, literally, it's uh, a clearing the clouds in the dark clouds that populate yeah. that world, and from there you see the black sun. And you well, know, what's interesting to me is that even the petals kind of remind me of the beast teeth. Like if you just sort of like squint and look at the image, you know, it's just, it's interesting how close it is to bringing that to mind. But it could also be that I'm just brainwashed from. No, no, like I I know what you mean, and I've seen people say that before. Like, I don't personally see the teeth, but the, the one thing I will say, like in response to all this, like I I still look at this image, and I've tried. I I feel like I'm the kind of guy that can generally put himself in other people's shoes and see things pretty much in the middle and not impartial. But I'm I'm looking at this. I still think the beast, and even if that doesn't make sense, like I think if Mira does go that route, I agree that there's going to have to be some kind of explanation for how that makes sense for the beast symmetry to live within Casca's yeah. mind because the connective tissue just straight up isn't there. And I, I acknowledge that, but I'm just saying I look at this and I think that what I think is interesting though is that I don't think any of us should be confused about this, you know, because Mira is not like that. He generally, when he uses imagery, it's very explicit. You know, Amira has used the eclipse as, as a pupil before in this uh, lightning-style beast-eye design. She also used it as a pupil for Casca herself, you know, own eye when she was uh, mm-hmm. attacked by sure. bandits. So it's something he does often. But my, my point is that I, I can't imagine him flubbing this dual connection if the if the implied dual connection was supposed well, to be there you know we shouldn't have to be guessing about that kind of imagery fortunately going to be the last page we have for a while like if we had like the next <laughs> yeah. page it would probably put it into proper context for sure you know it yeah be yeah so yeah. Interpretive. yeah well the thing is uh like i said i mean if i have to summarize my arguments that i don't think it makes any logical sense for the beast to be involved and i, I agree right now but i don't think i'm not ruling out me and not making that connective tissue in the future somehow i'd like to see how that makes sense because i don't think i don't think even we've been surprised could, before. yeah sure but it could be it could represent an eye but and even then i think it's uh, too early to tell you know and yeah, yeah i wouldn't i find it i would find it very odd you know, for Mira to exclude guts from, you know, this ritual sure. and then to feature the beast as like the first thing we see of Casca's dreamscape relates to the beast of darkness, which is exclusive to guts. I would find that to be very odd. Well, and you know, thinking back in 23, when he gets possessed, his eye does take on kind of a again. It's how metaphorical that was, you yes. know, and allegorical, as you say. You know, you know, she could have seen that. And like I said, the only way to really that connective tissue only exists if like this eye were to morph into the armor, which represents guts, which represents guts attacking her when he's possessed, or you know, like that. That's that's really the only way. It sounds like a stretch. No, no, no. I know. I I, I actually took that tack as well in my head before I'd realized that. You know, I think that, that, that imagery in 23 of Guts becoming the beast in his face and representing the lightning, lightning slashed eye was for the reader's kind of like dreamlike yeah. state, right? Because we've seen Farnese being possessed in volume 17 and she looked no different at all. She had a placid look on her face, but she was currently possessed by a spectre yeah. as well. And, you know, so it, it didn't translate to a weird, you know, features. And not to rehash the same point, but, you know, Casca's been in that state since volume, you know, uh, 13. So, uh, you know, I mean, this is, this relates to the eclipse, you know, her trauma is dominated so, by these events. And I feel like if we have to go to 
Oh, she reversed engineered uh, the look on the helmet of the Eclipse and deduced well, that it would like that. And, you know, there's even no purple in that eye. You know, in that eye, as shown like that, there's actually no black sun. So, the, you know. the allegorical sort of argument here, this could, it could be that just as a, sim- a signal to the readers that, you know, that is part, you know, sort of let's take Casca's trauma and put it in one image yep. for us to see. You know, that Bingo. there is that. Like, maybe we're not seeing literally an image generated by Casco, but just something that represents, you know, for the audience, her trauma. I do think this is, this is I, that was my, also my conclusion of this page, is that it's not as literal a depiction of Shirke and Farnese seeing this image. It's, it, I think this image benefits the reader in the direction no, of No, I, I think this is something Shirke and Farnese see. And I, I see it's actually uh, pretty much confirmed by the first uh, page of uh, episode uh, 348, which we see so in the guidebook. We see them over a field uh, with flags, you know, on poles. And mm-hmm. the comment is uh, the black sun. The comment about the fact that black sun shines over that place illuminates it. So you know, I mean, I, I'm pretty pretty sure this is uh, literally what they see. And you know, that's also why there's these uh, uh, flower petals because that's where the flower petals are leading them into into mm-hmm. that place. So you know, I I don't think this is something just for the reader's perspective. And even then, even if it was, it would still make no sense to me. Uh, for the beast to be referenced, especially in such an unclear way. Because it, if it was for the reader's benefit only, uh, and it was meant to reference the beast, then it would be more clear. Whereas here it's just... Yeah, I, I agree uh, with uh, that. I agree it's that if the, it was that. Uh, in the clouds where... And, you know, I'll, I'll say it again. I, I don't want to stress the point, but the beast's eye typically doesn't have a purple. You know, when God's eye mm-hmm. transforms into it as a purple at first, and then it becomes that white streak. I don't know. That, that's not what, convincing, though, because if he's trying to convey two different images, he, he might incorporate that design into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can stretch it however you want, and, you know, then it's convincing to you because you've stretched it and made it work okay. based on your uh, kind of twisting of things. But in volume 23, uh, when Gus is possessed, there's no purple. I think we can all agree it's certainly a compelling image. <laughs> there's a lot of conversation that's what i was gonna that's what i was gonna say was like tabling the whole disagreement thing like i feel like this final page it's actually funny how people have referenced it like both on twitter and in a lot forum and elsewhere everyone is like fuck that final page it's it's quite impactful for everyone that read it you know however you choose to fall on the side of it's an awesome page it's a black sun you know no i mean i in in a way i feel like nothing Nothing else could have been the last page of that, you know. And, uh, and you know, of course, it's it's chilling to see I think that. it's also, we haven't discussed yeah. how cool it is, the way it transitions from that very innocent, childlike, you know, sort of style to... And it's <laughs> funny, because even the final panel, it's like the little tiny uh, rectangle on the, the previous page is still white. And then on this page, it's just, you know, darkness, and it's just frightening looking. And so, in like, very, you know, literal. Yeah. Whereas the last one was so cartoonish and childlike. Yeah, it might be what the white, you know, the white rectangle, you know, actually morphs into yeah. that, you know, like in that, in that white things that penetrate mm. her dream through these dark clouds, and that's what they see is a, is a black sun, you know, that's also a way to interpret it. Yeah. Cool episode. Uh, I guess we'll be back with more Berserk in four to six months. It could be a little longer than that, but since early 2017, I don't know, it could be as early as January. It could be as late as March. So we will know then. It's too bad about the hiatus, I guess. Uh, the cliffhanger doesn't really bother me that much, and I, I, that's, prob- that's probably my you know 
close to 15 years, I'm 16 years now reading the series episodically talking, uh, but it's, it's more just, I, I wished he had gotten a full six in before the break, just to establish some kind of consistency with what to expect with the releases in the next coming years. That would have been great to have a real schedule, six a year, checkbox, move on to the next year, that kind of thing. You know, that's funny because I absolutely do not care at all about like having six episodes a year or whatever. I don't give a shit. Rather, I wish I knew what comes after this. You know, that's yeah, that's really sure. all I care about. And actually, okay, for once, you know, I mean, I'm not usually bothered by uh, cliffhangers or delays or stuff like that, but. You know, I think this is going to be uh, eating at me a bit, you know, wishing to know. I mean, I, I, I want to know. I want to know. Mm-hmm. I mean, Casca's returns, that kind of stuff, even what her, you know, mind is like, that, that's, you know, something. I, I've been waiting for it for a long, long time. So. Well, we can spend that time debating if this is an I or not. <laughs> it's going to be great. Yeah. Won't that be fun? <laughs> it's like if there was ever yeah. a time where we wanted to, a time to move on to the next thing. But uh, one hour of I, that, you know. <laughs> I, I actually, I don't have a problem with the waiter. Where it's not, it's not that t- kind of annoying cliffhanger where, like, you know, is Casca gonna be cured or not in the next episode? You know, it isn't like that. Yeah, yeah. She's not holding up the magic wand exactly. to cure. It's like, is she gonna bring it down or not? And it's like, no. It's just I know when it picks up, it's gonna be great. So it's something I can uh, just look forward to that way. Because you know, sometimes it'll take a a break at a time where it's like you know it's gonna transition to something else. Or, you know, mm-hmm. where you don't know what's coming next, so you don't really necessarily, you don't really even have anything to look forward to, because, you know, you have no idea where he's going with it. But this time, it's like, okay, I'm I'm really uh, going to be happy when the series resumes. So, I guess uh, we'll see what we do with the podcast from now until then. Of course, we have the reread, uh, but uh, I don't know what the schedule will be uh, the next few weeks or so. I think we were in Volume 19 right before the fight with the goat, so... Uh, well, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Uh, but for now, uh, we're leaving Berserk where it is, uh, in the middle of Casca's dream sequence. But um, finally, I wanted to say thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone who has donated to our ongoing Patreon fundraiser. Uh, it's helping to fund our favorite translator, Puella, mm-hmm. her and her translation work for Berserk. If you don't know that we have a Patreon, you might want to check out the details. They're at patreon.com slash sknet. Poila has been translating uh, Berserk for many years now, and right now she's assisting in translating some interviews uh, Kentaro Miura has done over the years, comments that he's made in various episodes, or sorry, ep- comments that he's made on various issues of Young Animal over the years, and of course the ongoing work of translating each of the episodes as they come out. So all the money that goes towards a Patreon goes towards helping her efforts in translation. So again, thank you to those who have continued to donate, donate through all these months. Your efforts keep the translation work on SkullNight.net afloat. We've currently got 33 donors, uh, 15 of which have stuck with us since the very beginning in 2014. So our greatest thanks go to those of you who have first and foremost, uh, Rupert Sinclair, who has almost single-handedly kept this effort alive with his generous contributions over the months. Uh, so thank you so much for that, Rupert. Wow. Uh, but going through the list, I wanted to thank each individually who have contributed or current donors with us. Uh, I'll be reading the forum names of those members. Uh, Rupert Sinclair, Incantation, Griffith, M, Moreta, Dark Link, Slime Behirit, Rombad, Deltafy, Gabolatula, Skeleton, Gummy Skull, Ryotoha, Nilden, Jacqueline, Adrian Chu, Spacey Louse, Button Masher, Tama, 
Apostle Bob, N7 Paladin, Kaladin, wow, similar. Grail, Pierre Lala, Two Pump Warrior, JMP, Danger Doom, Patrick, Volatile Curry, Charlotte, Jake, Defengar, and Obery. So once again, guys, thanks so much for your uh, continued donations. It really does help out a lot. If you have not checked out our assorted translation section, that's where Puella has been spending her time doling out interviews, uh, comments from animals, and various other things uh, translated throughout uh, her work, which began in 2014. So looking forward to seeing what else she'll be able to create. And um, that's it. Guys, if you want to check out more details about the Patreon, you can check out patreon.com sknet. Stay tuned on the forums, and we'll be back in a few weeks.